Welcome to the Virtual Real Estate Investing Podcast. It's going to be a solo episode with me, John Plumstead. Last night, I did a talk at a Pints and Properties events here in Tampa. Kind of told my story and got some good feedback and enjoyed doing it. So I figured I'd try my best to tell my story in a podcast episode. My real estate story. Not my entire story, but just my real estate story. We're going to do four chapters. Uh, I don't think it'll be that long, but let's get right into it. Chapter one, 2005, I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and learned about assets and wanted to buy real estate so I could make money and live the life that I wanted to financially. Graduated from West Point in 2009, tried to buy a fixer-upper house but didn't end up getting it and ended up kind of just buying a, not a top of market house, but a brand new house with a VA loan. Worked well. It's in Colorado Springs, but then we moved from Colorado Springs, tried to hold on to it as a rental, but it was a pain because we didn't have the cash reserves that we probably should have. So it was stressful when we didn't have a renter in there. Um, so that was chapter one, had a house, it was a good investment long-term because it was in Colorado Springs, but we were trying to pay off my wife's student loans aggressively following the Dave Ramsey plan. So we didn't keep enough cash in reserves. So then when we had vacancy in that property, it was stressful. So we ended up selling that house at about break-even. Uh, so we bought it for 200 put 20 grand into it and sold it for like 230 or something and walked away with basically what we put into it. Um, that house today is worth like 450 grand 10 years later. So should have held on to it, but I learned all about cash reserves. And then I said, okay, you know, I kind of, I felt like that was a loss. Even though we didn't lose money, I felt like it was a loss. So then chapter two, started getting back into real estate, starting to think, you know, Hey, how can I make sure, uh, I'm successful? We bought a house, one of the, you know, crappiest house on the block type stories, fixed it all up, kept it as a rental. I knew it would cash flow really good, made sure we had our cash reserves in a good spot. So, uh, hey, I'm I'm now a landlord, right? Technically, we use property managers. But then I think the big, big, the big thing with investing in real estate is when you buy property that you're not going to live in. When you buy a house that is strictly to be a rental, that's a different kind of financing. Um, you can make plenty of money with your personal residence, but I think it's a big mental shift when you're like, I'm going to buy this property only for an investment. Okay. So the first time I did that was with a fourplex. I found a fourplex in Oklahoma on the MLS, but I knew what rents were and I underwrote this thing for like a month straight, right? Looking at numbers, looking at numbers, looking at numbers. And I was like, this is a great deal. They wanted 200 for it. I think, you know, I felt like the market was probably 225. Rents were like 650 or so. So 650 and a fourplex, what would that be? 624, 2600, right? So 2600 uh, gross rents per month. And it was rent or the, the price was about 200. So it, it broke the 1% rule for sure, right? Um, the problem was is I didn't have enough money for a down payment. I was going to use a conventional loan, 25% down, right? So that mean, meant, you know, I had to put 50, 50 grand down and I didn't have 50 grand. 
So I teamed up with one of my friends and West Point classmates and I said, hey, how about you put the 50 grand down and uh, we buy this property. Uh, Since I found the property, I'll deal with the property managers, I'll deal with the contractors, I'll handle all that stuff. Um, We'll be 50-50 partners, you just bring in the money, okay? So he agreed, brought in 50 grand, closed the deal, started cash flowing, doing good. And then uh, it's like, hey, I wanna own another one of these fourplexes. So there's about, say, 24 plexes in the area that we wanted to own. So I send direct letters, sent direct mail, this letter to all of them, said, hey, I want to buy your property. Got uh, a couple calls back, but one of the ladies called and said, hey, I want to get rid of this. I'll sell it to you for $180,000. So I, my last one had now appraised for two twenty-five. This lady wanted to sell it for one eighty. I knew, I felt good that... It was a good deal, right? Um, but my same buddy was like, hey, I don't want to put another 50 grand into this. So you got to figure out how to get it done, right? So I went to a private lender. By this point, I was telling everyone I was a real estate investor. Everyone that talked to me would be like, hey, when do you want to invest in real estate with me, right? Even though I'd only done one real deal, I was I was uh, telling everyone I was a real estate investor. And they, if they started asking me questions, I'd explain it and be like, hey, I don't have a ton of experience, but I'm going to, Right. So I was telling everyone I was a real estate investor and I got someone to give me $180,000 to buy the second fourplex. Okay. So 180 grand cash, private, private money loan interest rate. I think, I think we did 8%, but we didn't have to pay back that 8% until the end of the loan. So uh, we kept it for a year, um, 8% accruing interest. And then at the end of that year, we refinanced with a bank and we paid off the uh, 180 grand cash and paid off the uh, 8% interest and then had long-term debt in place. So I was able to get both of those four plexes with no money out of pocket, okay? Like using, you know, creative financing. I look at deals as find, fun, and finish. How do you find deal? How do you fund deal? How do you finish deal? So in there, you know, finding the deal, the first one, found on the MLS, but then the second one I used direct mail by, you know, looking at property records on public database. I didn't pay for it. And then I, you know, printed out letters in my house and, you know, put a stamp on them, mailed them all out. And then funding, had to figure out some creative financing to to get it done. And then for finishing, we used a property management company. We recently sold those deals within the last couple of weeks and uh, came out came out good. Um, feeling really good about how those investments ended up turning out. Okay. Uh, but I say that story because finding deals off market or for as good a deal as you can, funding them in a creative way and then finishing them and optimizing them, getting them to top market and selling. That's what we're doing now, right? That's, that's real estate, private equity. It's just at a smaller, smaller scale, but the fundamentals are exactly the same. Okay. So that was chapter two. Chapter three is, I teamed up with Frank Scappatici, my business partner, and we said, hey, let's try to buy 10 houses in 2020. That was our goal. Let's try to buy 10 houses and let's use that to supplement our retirement. Let's buy uh, rentals, that cash flow, and we're going to benefit from cash flow appreciation, principal pay down, and tax benefits, and it'll be good, right? Let's buy 10 of them in the first year. Well, said, okay, but 
let's try to use wholesaling tactics and then we'll try to use the Burr method buy, rehab, refinance, or rent, refinance, repeat, right? Like let's try to get great deals under market to buy these 10 houses. And almost immediately we had more houses than we knew what to deal with. And I definitely did not want to be a wholesaler, but we had so many houses. It was like, hey, we either tell these people that we can't buy these amazing deals or we need to wholesale them. So we decided to start wholesaling. So wholesale the first house, made like dollars $15,000, something like that. And it seemed like the easiest money we had ever made. I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. We're going to be billionaires if this keeps up, right? Like anything, it, it got harder and harder. But we doubled down. Before you know it, we were sending, initially we were sending text messages from our phones. And then we used online platforms to send hundreds and thousands of text messages. And then we hired virtual assistants in the Philippines to send, you know, even more text messages and then text messages started struggling. So we started making phone calls. We created a call center. You know, at some point we had 25 virtual assistants working for us, calling 40, each calling 40 hours a week, trying to find us off market deals. I, I always say we did somewhere between 100 and 200 deals. We haven't actually counted up, but we did a ton of wholesale deals flips, mostly in, in military markets, so like clean Texas, Lawton, Oklahoma, El Paso, Texas, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, but we also did markets like Cape Coral, Florida, um, Port St. Lucie, Florida, um, other markets, Tyler, Texas, that didn't necessarily have a military base. We just found deals there. Okay. So it was all going good. We were rocking and rolling. We were crushing it. Uh, but what we realized throughout 2020 and 2021 is our margins, as we tried to scale, our margins would compress and compress and compress. Frank and I didn't want to create a business that, that uh, it's not a good way to say it, but like we wanted to create a very profitable business. We wanted to put a lot of money in our pocket. And in single family, as we tried to scale, it just became very, very difficult to put a lot of money in our pocket because the margin would get thinner and thinner and thinner. So we kind of just banged our head against the wall for a while until we're like, hey, let's actually try commercial real estate. So everyone immediately goes to multifamily real estate. But we're like, hey, we don't want to go to multifamily. We want to go to something that we think will be good for our strengths. So that was storage and mobile home parks. We looked at storage and mobile home parks. We liked both of those as asset classes, but we decided on storage because it didn't include primary residences, which we liked, and storage is on month-to-month leases, so you can raise rents um, faster, so you can improve the cash flow potentially within, within the first month, okay? So this takes us to chapter four, okay? Chapter one, whatever, learn some lessons. Chapter two, figured out how to use creative financing by some fourplexes. Chapter three, feel like I got a PhD in single family wholesaling, flipping off-market deals. Chapter four was like, hey, let's try commercial real estate. So we bought a facility, uh, bought our first facility. You know, we had modeled it all out, thought we figured out all the numbers, weren't exactly sure. And what do you know? We bought it, we raised rents. And yes, yeah, some people moved out, but most people just started paying higher rents. And almost immediately, we took a facility that we bought for $1.4 million and... I don't know exactly what it would be valued at today, but definitely closer to $2 million, you know, probably 1.8 or 1.9, something like that. 
right? Like almost immediately we increase that. It's like, oh my goodness, like this is, this is working, right? And then we close our second, second, third deal for about $4 million. And same thing, same thing's going on. We're like, this is, this is, this is working good, right? And the whole time we're still doing our single family business. So within the last couple of weeks, we closed down our single family business and now we're just focused on storage. It's all we're focused on, right? We're finding funding and finishing storage facilities with a goal to buy $20 million worth of storage this year, okay? So what does our business look like today? That That's a story. And then I'll, right now, I'll just kind of tell you what our business looks like today. Real estate private equity company. That's just a fancy way of saying that we're doing the fourplex thing, right? We're trying to use other people's money to buy storage facilities and fix them up, okay? So how are we, uh, well, let's talk about storage overall first and then I'll go find fun finish. So storage overall, I think it's three levers. Lever number one and the most important lever by far is can you increase rents? Very, very important. How do you increase rents? You just do it generally, right? You increase rents to what the market rate is or what, what that facility can support. Many mom and pop owners are 20% to 100% below market rates, okay? It's it's incredible how low uh, some of the rates are out there. So lever number one, increase rates. Lever number two, increase occupancy. How do you increase occupancy? There's, uh, you know, digital marketing. Do they have a website? Do they use aggregator websites like Sparefoot? Are they on Google Maps? Do they have reviews? Uh, pay-per-click, there's... there's all that helps with occupancy. And then there's the expenses. A lot of people have exp- um, bloated expenses because they're paying too many hours to have someone sit at a desk uh, and do nothing, okay? So you know, how, how do we get to $20 million this year in storage? How are we finding deals? Well, we have a virtual assistant that is cold calling owners 40 hours a week saying, hey, do you own this property? Would you be interested in selling? Um, I think that's tough. I think I think we'll get leads from it, but right now we're doing it in Florida. Florida's super competitive, so I'm not sure if we'll get anything out of it. Might take a couple years. We'll eventually have her start calling some other markets that are less competitive, and I think she'll do a lot better there. <clears throat> but the main reason, the main way we're going to buy another $15 million worth of storage is talking to brokers. We're working with brokers constantly, talking on on the phone with brokers all day, every day, trying to get deals. Um, so that's how we're finding them. We, we get them, we underwrite them, given our debt and equity criteria, uh, what we think about the market, how much each deal, how much opportunities in each deal, and we figure out what we can pay for it, and then we make an offer. Okay, for finding and funding deals, we're syndicating deals. So each deal is its own individual thing, and we're using somewhere between 70 and 80% bank loan, right? Where we're in, you know, 4.25 to 4.5% interest, 20 year AM, maybe a year interest only, right? Um, and then that other 20 to 30% is equity or investors. We team up with investors to partner with us to help us fund those, those deals. And then how do we finish the deals? Well, we've got a team, we've brought most of it in-house at this point, where we've got a team of virtual assistants in the Philippines that act as our call center. Um, 
So we do our revenue management, our pay-per-click campaigns, all our marketing. We do that in-house. We have a boots on the ground, as we call it. Um, someone to go check the facility, someone to, um, you know, make sure everything's operating like it needs to be. So we do have someone there, uh, on location that can help us when needed. Uh, but a good portion of what we do is, is virtual. And our general business plan for most of these is to own them for five years and sell them. So, uh, if someone offers us a bunch of money before we hit the five-year mark, chances are we'll sell. If we hit some type of downturn in the economy and we need to hold longer, we've got long-term loans in place to be able to ride the storm. But I see I'm over 15 minutes now, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. But that's my that's my story. Chapter one, two, three, and four. Chapter one, I got really excited and learned. Chapter two, I started buying properties that I didn't live in. Chapter three, I learned almost everything there is to know about single family, uh, flipping and wholesaling and off market. And chapter number four, we are getting some traction in storage and we now call ourselves a real estate private equity company. So hope you enjoyed listening. If you want to get our e- on our email list, go to graylineinvestments.com and get on our email list. Hope all is well. Take care.